Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute, we're going to review one of our foundational single leg exercises, and that is the K-Box Split Squat. Just like with the squat, guys, make sure you got that tether taunt when you're at full extension, and set yourself a counterbalance. Here we're going to use the barbell on the rack. Sink it down just like a regular split squat, chest tall, and drive through that front foot. I really like that back plate there to take tension off that back toe. As we progress forward, that's going to be big time to help us even keep our weight forward more. As we increase intensity and decrease volume, we're also typically cutting depth, therefore increasing transfer when we're looking at stopping power at a greater height. Guys, give this one a shot. I'm sure that this is one that you're going to find some great carryover for your athletes. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat. Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a 100 different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of being able to sit down and talk training and developing your team culture with the head performance coach for women's basketball at the University of South Carolina, Molly Benetti. After a quick little rundown of how Molly got down to USC, guys, she's going to share with us, you know, her why. And not just her why, but who has driven and, and built her why and how these people continue to have a huge impact on her in her career today. But then she's going to get into the transition, you know, moving from Louisville down to USC uh, to get in with the women's basketball program and really what she's had to do to win the team over. And a lot of this, guys, is going to, be Molly sharing with us some really big and deep internal reflections that have driven some education for her and led to some really awesome aha moments with the student athletes she gets to work with. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Molly, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Coach, I appreciate you. I've uh, followed your work and appreciate your podcast and, and everything for a while. So I'm glad we finally got a chance to connect. Yeah, I'm fired up for this one. We were talking a little bit, not just about the the interesting six degrees of separation of everybody in, in sport, but also some pretty rad things you got cooking down there in, in SC. So for the, the three quarters of a human being listening to this right now who doesn't know who Molly is, let, let's let them know where you're at, how you got there, and what you're cooking down in South Carolina. Yeah, awesome. I'm currently the head performance coach for women's basketball at South Carolina. I just started my second season uh, this summer in June. And prior to that, I spent the last four years at the University of Louisville. 
uh, working for Tina Murray. I worked with a wide range of sports, but primarily assisted with basketball, had softball, tennis, volleyball. Um, and prior to that, my first job, I started out at Purdue full time and I worked, I think every sport that they had there a little bit, but, um, six or seven sports and, uh, really starting out, my career started because of Todd Smith at Marquette and I had no idea what I really wanted to do uh, with my career. I thought initially maybe business, I was really good at accounting, finance, uh, things like that. I knew I could make some money doing that and quickly, reminded myself of, of what I really love and that's people you know I love people I love teaching I love sport and I try to figure out a way you know how can I combine sport and people and coaching and all of that and I thought initially maybe athletic training um, I spent a couple weeks observing in the training room and I was like nah I can't I can't tape ankles and I can't can't do this this doesn't this doesn't fire me up and and luckily a couple weeks later Todd came into one of my classes and did a presentation and I was left in awe I had no idea I was never a, a college athlete I always played sports growing up but I didn't even know like strength and conditioning coaches really existed I didn't know that was a, a profession so I ended up interviewing him he opened his doors and and basically said you know anytime you wanted to come observe or, or help out at all like doors open and literally the next morning I think at 5 a.m. I show up and uh, that was day one and I just kept coming back and learning and figuring out what the what this world of performance was and uh, anytime I wasn't in class I was in the weight room and I kept it kept evolving uh, turned into a, a paid internship my last couple years uh, went to EXO's didn't did an internship there um, and then came back, I did my master's at Minnesota and was an intern while I was in grad school there for a year. And really my, my biggest exposure was division one athletics. And so starting out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a division one strength coach. Like that's my, that's my dream. That's my goal. And then I was 23 and I got my first division one strength coach job. And so I was like, okay, what's, what, what now, what do I do now? And no one had really taught me kind of how you navigate your, your life and your career in this field. And I kind of just took opportunities as they came and, and ran with it and, um, knew after a year at Purdue, I wanted, I wanted something a little bit different and knew Tino was one of the, you know, the front runners and one that paved the way for this profession as a whole, but especially women in this field. And so I knew I, if I went to work for her, I was, I was going to be a better coach. And so I left after a year, went and worked for her. I grew more in those four years than I have probably my whole life. And, uh, fortunately opened some doors and, and led me to being really well prepared for this position at South Carolina. Some really, really fantastic leaders in different realms of what we do in sport right now. You know, you, you've gone from Todd to Tina and now Coach Staley. Um, which if people listening don't know who Don Staley is, like get out from under a rock. Um, there's been some super vast leadership styles that you've been able to learn from. So let's talk about this project now that you've been working with and what you're trying to build and where this sort of formulated from and and then we'll we'll piggyback off that yeah i mean to be honest if i think about it and i um you know i've got to give i've got to get give credit to uh my boy 
Brett Bartholomew. Uh, he's been a mentor of mine for a long time and reading his book and just talking with him and, and his concepts of, you know, really understanding your identity and, and why you do what you do and why, why do I want to coach? Why do I love coaching? Why do I love teaching? Why do I love leading and all those things? And I think it goes back to having two really strong leaders in my life in my grandma and my mom, like my grandma raised eight kids on her own was the strongest woman that I know. My mom raised me by herself and seeing like that female leadership, you know, exuded and, and as an example every single day I think looking back I can tie that to why I feel compelled or why that speaks so deeply to me is why I want to be a female a strong female leader not just in in sport and in, in basketball and all that but as a whole in life as in general um and so I, I've been really really lucky and feel really grateful that in my career I've been exposed to some really incredible people really early in my career um, that's been really inspiring. I remember being in grad school. I drove down to Kansas to go to Hootie's Clinic and didn't know anybody. I drove down by myself just for the experience, and I knew Hootie was, was the best of the best, and I knew I was going to meet some really awesome people. And at the time, I was interviewing for the Purdue job, and I knew Dwayne Carlisle was going to be there, so it was also a chance for me to meet him in person and interview and all of that. But... I remember while I'm there, this girl walks up to me, introduced herself and, and introduces herself as Megan Young. And I remember seeing Megan Young present at the coaches conference like a few months earlier and being like, wow, who's this awesome female? So I meet her. And then that night I end up at Hootie's house and it's her and it's Jerry Martin and it's Scott Caulfield and it's Megan. And it, I'm in this room of these, these strength coaches that to me are on this pedestal of like, wow, like these are some of the top people in our field. Like, this is really, really cool. Like, how did I get here? And, you know, then being exposed to Tina and in her leadership. And I've met all these people throughout my career that have been really inspiring as leaders, but it's also forced me to want to level up and, and be, you know, be on that level and make a greater impact. And I look at them, I'm like, wow, that's where I want to be someday. And then to have the opportunity to come work for Coach Staley, who arguably, you know, the, you know, best college, women's college basketball coach or but just basketball coach, coach in general, um, the opportunity to come and learn from her more than anything was but something that really like grab, you know, made me gravitate towards this position. So and then going into a new role. You know, you, you get settled in an environment, right, and you're used to kind of how things run. You're familiar with your athletes. Uh, everything kind of becomes comfortable after a while. You've got a well-oiled machine going, and you almost take for granted the relationships that you have with the athletes that you work with and the people, the staff that you work with, the environment that you're in. And it's, it's I don't want to say it's easy, but it's almost easy to, to make some impact there because you've got, you've got things under control. And then you go to a new environment, and I think no matter how old you are, just making a move, you know, across the country, starting from scratch in terms of, you know, you're going into a, a new place. You don't know the campus. You don't know the facilities. Don't really know the coaching staff that you're working with yet. You definitely don't know your athletes. Uh, you don't even know where to park. You don't know the neighborhood that you live in. So you, you start from scratch and you go in and you've got this plan prepared. You're 
you've spent the last four years like waiting for this moment and you step into an environment, guns blazing, trying to implement what you want to. And, you know, you're met with this, this force, this resistance. Like, why should I, why should I listen to you? And I mean, if you work with basketball, like basketball players in general, and that's as a stereotype, but in general are, are, can be very difficult to work with. And they have their walls up, they have their guard up and it takes a while to, to break that down. And so when you go in and you're trying to implement a new program and a new way of doing things, it's like, why should I listen to you? And I was met, I was met with that. It was, you know, there was pushback, you know, there were confrontations, um, and it can really be defeating a little bit, you know, it can kind of leave you questioning like, wow, like, do I know what I'm doing? Am I good? Am I good at my job? Like, I know I know how to make you a better athlete, but how can I get you to do what I want? And I mean, when it comes down to it, like, you know, that it stems from building relationships. And unfortunately that takes time, but that, that first year left me really frustrated. And there were just a lot of experiences that left me, you know, one experiences that I've never dealt with before. And I'm talking, you know, a wide range of things. And in the moment, you don't necessarily know how to handle it. And you know that I'm talking about right now, just like people, people interactions and, and experiences and conversations. And I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I would have handled that differently. Or I should have said this, or man, I lost my cool and I shouldn't have done that. Like just so many moments where I'm like, man, I, I messed up and I'm frustrated. Um, and it all came back to just my, my ability to connect and so it took me to really look in the mirror and I said, what's the biggest way that I can improve to make the impact that I know I want to make and to help these kids really most importantly to help these kids reach where they want to go. Um, and so I invested a lot of time this off season in myself, um, and myself as a leader. And to me, those things are really the same because I'm, you know, I look at leadership and I look at my ability to connect in in every realm, not just coaching. And so I knew if I could, that was the, the number one thing, if I could improve, I knew I was going to make a bigger impact in year two. And so that's what I've done. And I've been, was really lucky to, I've been, I've been following Jeremy Boone. He's a, he's a performance coach and just, I mean, he as a man of many hats, but followed his, got his emails a lot. And he had sent one one day and said something about, you know, if you're interested in this, you said something that really hit home and I can't remember what it was, but it's like, you know, you know, we can chat, like hit me up, like email me back and let's set up a call. And I emailed him back and we kind of went back and forth for, you know, a couple weeks, but we ended up connecting and, and talking a few times over the phone. And I've been investing in, in his leadership program and it's got me really, really fired up and excited. Um, about just the, the growth that I've, I've seen take place in myself, but also the growth that I've seen take place in, in my relationships with everybody in my life. And especially with, you know, the kids that I'm lucky enough to, to lead every day. Well, let's keep going down that because I think that, you know, when we were talking about this before, um, first of all, shout out to Jeremy. We talked about getting you on the show for a long time, bro. This is like the third time your name's been dropped too. So I know you listen, so hint, 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 star, 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 call me back. But um, you know, we talked about some of the motivation behind it and kind of the internal reflection. So let's get into that. What were some things that Molly was looking to do better for her to be better for the kids that she gets to work with? I think it always... I think the first thing you can bring it back to is 
the what most people call communication. And I've got to give Jeremy credit, I mean, for a lot of things, but he kind of changed the way that I viewed communication and talks a lot about, you know, connection trumps communication. And connection comes from the language that we used. And so I think I think that was the number one thing that resonated with me right off the bat is how intentional am I actually being with the language that I use in the conversations that I have on a daily basis. And it's, it's little things that you don't even realize may just completely change the way a conversation is interpreted by somebody else, uh, the way that, you know, it comes off. And so I really, I paid really close attention and started to really try to implement uh, a new language. Um, and I think for me, it kind of came back to just being really authentic and true to myself. And I think when I initially started, especially here at South Carolina, I kind of came in guns blazing um, and was trying to almost be, you know, for lack of a better word, a hard ass. When really that's not my, that's not my style. I'm not, I don't like to be a dictator. I think of it as a, a partnership, not a dictatorship. And that's not my personality type at all. But I think I came in and I tried to like put my foot down right off the bat and just Im immediately was kind of met with a punch back. And I really had to kind of rethink of how I'm structuring my environment, the language that I'm using with the people that I lead. Um, and ultimately, I, I kind of came back and I was like, I, you know, I blamed a lot of things last year. You know, I was frustrated with this, you know, X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, instead of blaming it on all the all these other things, maybe I just need to change my mindset about the situation that I'm in. Yeah, there's reason I could be frustrated. There's reason to be, you know, mad about whatever it is. But I need to change my perspective on it and and think of what I'm able to do on a daily basis as an opportunity and not something that you know, I have to do it something that I get to do. So I think it started with an internal, just a shift in perspective and mindset. And I think that in itself changed the way that I coach before I started this leader program with, with Jeremy. Um, and then since then, it's really been about just changing, changing the environment, changing the language that I use and being able to lean into difficult moments and conversations and, moments of being vulnerable with my athletes. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes we shy away from them when, you know, we either don't know what to say or it's confrontation. So it makes us uncomfortable. Um, you know, how to navigate those situations a little bit better. No doubt about it. And I love that too, because it's now a matter of not just going in and having the self-reflection, but having the reflection to be able to identify what is going to be best for these young women and what is going to allow you now to be the example that you're hoping to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my initial phone call with Jeremy, he asked me a question and I, I literally think I just stammered and I didn't have an answer, but he says, why? He goes, if I'm one of your athletes or just in general, why should I follow you? why should I follow you? And he goes, you know, not just a generic, you know, you should follow me because, you know, I'm going to set a really good example, you know, of how to be, you know, how to reach your goals. I'm, you know, I'm driven, all these things. Like those are really generic answers. He goes, if I line up five of the best performance coaches in the country, they're next to you. Why should I follow you? As opposed to, you know, what is it about you individually that would make me want to follow you opposed to anybody else? 
And I really, I struggled to answer that. And, you know, that's one of the things he said too, is a lot of people struggle to answer that. And so I, I, that was my first piece of homework was figuring out why should, why should, why should anybody follow me? Because if I can't even answer that, like what, I can't really, you know, create anything from that. If I'm, if I'm not being somebody that they want to follow and they want to listen to other than the fact that I'm just, you know, I'm assigned their strength coach and they have to, they don't have a choice to come to weights and, and do this, but why do I actually listen to, to me? So why do you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an evolving answer, but part one is because I connect with you rather than I connected with you as a human before I care about you as an athlete and I'll walk with you on your mission. Okay. My mission is to walk with you on your mission and to help you reach that. But before anything, you know, regardless of your, regardless of your performance, I connect with and I care about you as a human first and foremost. Um, and I said it a little bit more eloquently when I initially wrote it down, but I think it comes back to my ability to connect with them as people first and, and make their experience very personal each time that they're around me. And, you know, my mission is, is to walk alongside them, not to necessarily, uh, you know, pull them from the front, but to walk along them as they figure out what their, what their mission is and, kind of all the the trials and, and tribulations that they'll face along that path to reach it. I love it because you got to, you know, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I want, and it's, it's one of those things too, right? Where when you, when you hear an answer and when you hear an answer from, you know, anybody, like you want that to be something that fires you up a little bit. And so that's what that's what I'm continuing to work on right now is how do I refine that and and live that every day so I get fired up about it other people get fired up when I'm telling them about it my athletes get fired up when they are in my presence and get to experience you know the way that I coach them um, and I think to me that's that's often the separating factors there's and I look at the best the best performance coaches that I've been able to learn from, but also the ones that I've never even met, but that I, I look to and they're all really, really good at their craft, but ultimately they're, they're pretty phenomenal human beings first and foremost. And I think that's a separating factor when you look at, you know, you go to a, you know, NSCA, you go to a, the CSCCA and you've got hundreds, if not thousands of strength coaches, like what are, what's, What's separating you? Is it really the, that you know RPR and you are, you know, certified in this and that, and you know these methods better than anybody? Probably not. And I think it's it's easy to kind of fall into that, especially young, you know, early in in your career. And I think I've been really lucky to be a young coach, but also be exposed to some really amazing people, but also kind of figure that out early. To and that's really I think transformed the way that. I think my career has taken the path that it's taken and, and where it's going. So. so I don't know if you can answer this. So if you can't, we'll edit this out. We'll go another direction. 
But where were some epiphany and aha moments that you got with some of the the young women that you get to coach? Some of those connections. Like, what are some things? And, and maybe one that you were like, oh, I can't believe that. Or like one that was like, bingo. Now we're, now we're cooking with grease. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure I'm doing it justice. But there's been, and you know, sometimes it's, almost like the most mundane and the most, the small moments that actually hold the most impact and like just little interactions that you have on a daily basis. But I'm, I'm thinking of in particular, you know, we talk, we talk a lot in, in our programs about, you know, self-identity and especially with our athletes, it typically resonate with kind of like these lies of identity. And a lot of it is tied to their performance and, and what they do and the, you know, their best moments, their worst moments and, and things like that. And I had, you know, a couple incidents with, we have a freshman who's a walk on the, you couldn't find a better kid. I mean, somebody who is genuinely just a, a loving person, like the best teammate works her tail off. Not the most, when you look at the rest of our team, not the most genetically gifted or most athletic or anything like that. And, and physical tasks are hard for her conditioning is one that's really hard for her and anytime we would condition this preseason she really really struggled and struggled with this anxiety and this fear of not making her times or not you know not being the the teammate or whatever it is in her mind that she needed to be she was really really afraid of not being good enough in that moment and so her identity was so heavily tied to just not being good enough she wants to do so well she wants to be the best teammate she knows that her role is not going to be the biggest one on her team, but she knows that she can still make an impact and we can use her. So she's she's really concerned about what her teammates think of her and what our co- her coaches think of her. And so we had just, uh, we have different groups that we train in. On Wednesdays, unfortunately, she's got a lot of class conflicts. So she has to come in and, and train at seven. And Wednesday's the day that we run. And, uh, she was about to run by herself at seven. Nobody else is in that group. And all of a sudden we had six other kids show up and run with her at seven in the morning that day. And, um, she, I mean, the whole time she was, uh, the self-talk that she was, that she was going through in her head was, you know, I'm not going to make it. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't breathe. She pushes through. She makes her times. We have a short lift right after that. So we get in the weight room and I'm kind of getting things organized as I overhear some of them talking and, you know, she's, she's asking one of our players, you know, what can I do? What can I do better? You know, I, I just want to, you know, make sure I'm doing everything that I can, like that I'm really struggling with this. Like, how can I be better? And I hear, you know, our, their teammates talking to her about, you know, you know, how the type of teammate that she is. And, you know, if you feel like you're, you're not, condition enough like you're doing extra and things like that and there's this tie into this self-doubt and this this identity and we had just talked about it in our in our leadership call and we're talking about the these lies of identity and it was a really perfect opportunity for me to kind of step in and I had that whole group there and talk about kind of the lies of identity that we tell ourselves you know we're we tell ourselves that you know I am what I do I am what I have, you know, material things. I am what others say or think about me. You know, I am nothing more than my worst moment. I'm nothing more than my best moment. And it, for her, it's, you know, I it's I am what I do. 
and you know, I am what other people say and think of me. And she's, you know, really, really just concerned about her performance. She wants to perform and she wants to live up to it. And so it was an opportunity for me to step in. And, and I talked about those, those key points. And I said, Hey, listen, I'm like, you can't outperform your self identity. So if you think that you're not good enough, you're never going to be able to outperform that. If you think that you are, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever it might be, whatever your whatever story you're telling yourself, you can't outperform that. Like, but imagine if you are telling yourself a different story. I'm like, then imagine the type of energy and the type of outcome that you might get when you you tie your identity to something different than what the story is in your head right now. And I said, listen, like, regardless of performance, like, it doesn't change the way that. I look at you or I feel about you. It doesn't change the way that your teammates think about you. I'm like, your identity is more than your times on this run. Your identity is about your strengths, which you know are loving on people, being a great teammate and, and working your tail off and doing everything that you can. I'm like, it doesn't matter if you pass, if you fail, it doesn't matter. You know, regardless of performance, you matter. And regardless of, of, you know, what just happened or what's about to happen, you know, you bring those other aspects to the table. So it was kind of a, it's kind of crazy. Once you start to get these, you know, we're talking about these different things in the calls and you see them, you see opportunities and you see these experiences pop up in real life. And you're like, wow, like, okay, I have the tools to, to make a bigger impact in those moments and to, to tell a different story for, you know, that athlete or, or those athletes in that moment. Well, and moment aside, that can be a life-changing situation for that young lady yeah and it's it's uh it was funny because i think it was a week or two after it was the same day we had the same type of conditioning but we had a little bit more volume that day we had more reps and we were stretching at the end and i was stretching her personally and and just assisting her stretch and she looked at me and she goes you know i i didn't think that i could do it when i walked in she goes but i changed the the story that I was telling myself as, as we kept going. And, and I was like, imagine if, you know, just imagine if you're, you continue to change that story and you believe you go from believing that you're not good enough or that you can't to believing that you're deserving of being here and, and deserving of all these things. I'm like your, your behavior, your outcomes, all of that is going to change. So it's a work in progress, but, um, it's it's pretty cool to see kind of that light that light bulb come on a little bit and they're like wow okay like i'm gonna be okay after all you know i didn't think i could do it but i did it and i'm gonna be okay yeah that's freaking killer that's awesome that's that's yeah because that is that's that's a situation now where you just took a kid and literally flipped her on her head and is going to be able to get past things that we would never think about in sets and reps. And it's going to be better for everything because of that. Yeah. And it's, it's since that moment, it's, you can tell like there's a, there's a trust there and there's a, you know, she'll come into my office and she's, you know, what she's dealing with some things, in other areas and she's like I need your help like I know she goes I know that you're going to tell me the truth and I know that you're somebody that can help me navigate this and 
at the end of the day, you want to know that they as athletes want to know that you're going to run through a wall for them to help them get where they want to go. Um, and I think in return, we show them that they're going to do the same for us. And you know that they are, but it doesn't, that doesn't come without us showing them that, that we're, we're in it with them. And, and, uh, you know, ultimately they're, where they want to reach, you know, both individually and as a team outweighs anything that we want. We don't want things from them. We want things for them. And I think that's, that's a, a key shift in just language there is it's not what I'm asking from you. I'm not making you do this because I want that from you, but I want this because I want that for you. You're, I want your mission to happen for you, not because I want something from it. We want things for them, not from them, is absolutely perfect. Molly, let me get you out of here on this. Where can they learn more? Where can they see what you're doing? Where can they follow you so that we can make sure that, you know, people can get a little check on this because I think that there's a lot of coaches that need to go back and listen to what she said one more time there because um, that's some pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, you can reach me, my email. I mean, I'm going to let you find that online if you want it. But on Twitter, I'm pretty active on Twitter, uh, Coach Benetti. Uh, you can follow me there. Instagram, I'm on there as well. But i um, more than happy to to speak with anybody who wants to chat more and uh, really appreciative of you having me on here and hopefully can connect uh, with some others on the field that want to chat a little bit more. Awesome, Molly. Thank you so much for your time. This is sensational. People are going to love it. Appreciate it, Coach. Yeah, cheers. We'll be in touch real soon. All right. Sounds good. And a huge thank you to South Carolina's Molly Benetti for spending the time with us today. Guys, just a coach with some open, honest, candid sharing, really just opening it all up and laying it out there to give us an absolutely sensational example of really how we can identify better with the young people that we get to coach. Molly, I, I can't thank you enough for being so open, honest, and candid in your sharing today. This is absolutely killer stuff. Keep kicking butt down there, Molly. We're, we're rooting for you hard up here at Richmond, Virginia. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. And if you are sharing it on Twitter, make sure you tag her at Coach Benetti. Uh, on Twitter because uh, she's she is, she's sharing a lot of great content out there too, guys. So make sure you're giving her a follow. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then. <laughs>